This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And good morning. Robbie Lane in for Frank Proctor, and Charlie Dobbin is here, as usual, as she always is. And uh, I'm just sitting in for the sous chef. And so you get the honorary title, sous, sous, sous chef, chef yes, of the garden. Yes, yeah, the understudy, I guess. Exactly. Really. Yeah. That's another way of saying now, it, Now, Frank's guess. not bowling today. No, he's not. Uh, contrary to public opinion. He's actually <laughs> in um, St. Catharines at the uh, St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center Lock 3. And the reason he's there is they're having this big thing going on all day today. And, of course, you know Frank uh, wrote that book years ago. I the, do. The uh, the day the Welland Canal monster met Santa. Mm-hmm. He wrote that. And so he'll be there reading he, that. He's a famous published author. He really is. I and know. he's also a recording artist. Have you ever heard his song? I, I No. It's but a fine time to leave me, Margaret. Mar- yeah, yeah. Well... You don't want to hear that. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but we love Frank, and uh, we're going to miss him today. But I'm happy to be sitting in with you, and yeah. uh, we'll be taking calls, of course. And maybe I should give out those numbers. Great idea. Okay. The number to talk to Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show is 416-360-0740 or toll-free at one 866 740 740. And Charlie, you have something to do. I do. Well, I just want welcome, Robbie. Thank nice you. to see you again. And welcome to Dan. That'll be the first voice you hear when you call in. Dan is back from traveling and muscle farming and all kinds of fun things all over Canada. I think so. he was in prison. <laughs> Come on, I like the muscle farming story better. Okay. <laughs> he was in Prince Edward Island for almost a year, so yes. good for him. Nice place to be. All right, couple of upcoming events. Now, okay, this one's for tomorrow. Rosemary Dobson, she is our burning the midnight oil intrepid reporter who sends me things to say on the radio, usually about, you know, one in the morning, <laughs> Saturday morning. So I'm reading this off my phone. Uh, the Greater Toronto Bulb Society has a meeting tomorrow, November 25th. It's at the Cummer Park Community Centre, which is 6000 Leslie Street, right at the southwest corner of Leslie and Cummer, 1.30 p.m., the speaker is Barry Porteous, and he's speaking on, sounds like a great title for a talk. His talk is Plant Hunters of the Far East. Ooh. I know, doesn't that kind of have that? Yeah. Do-do-do-do. So it's, everybody's welcome. Check it out. Very, very interesting bunch of people. Lo- actually, a lot of fun, those people. Other things going on. The Rhododendron Society is got a meeting as well tomorrow at 2 o'clock. It's at the Toronto Botanical Garden. Charlie Sale will be speaking. He's a well-known gardener from North Vancouver. He gardens with his wife, Maggie, and they have an amazing garden in North Vancouver. It's built right on the side of the mountain. Wow. And it's actually called Bucket Hill as a, as a garden. So he will be speaking on Bucket Hill, uh, Maggie's Magic Garden, of course. Which rhymes with? 
Well, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, of course, is welcome. TBG tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Uh, all right. Another thing that's going on is this tomorrow. And this is for December 9th. So this is a bit in the future. Harvey Reitman of Clay Crevice Construction will be speaking on new techniques for new plants on behalf of the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. 1.30 p.m. December 9th. TBG, or Toronto Botanical Garden. Uh, This coming Thursday, November 29th, 5.30 to 9.30, is the Toronto Botanical Garden's annual holiday open house. It's lively, it's fun-filled, it's a mix and mingle, enjoy complimentary cider and shortbread. Frank will probably be there. He'll go anywhere for free food. Well, I know. Um, Admire the festive displays, which there will be many of. There's an auction, there's a store that will be open, the TBG shop will be open, there's fresh greens, there's winter container liners, Just, you know, buy them, pop them into your urns, no designing, easy, fooling around. Easy, Exactly, easy yeah. peasy, save 30% uh, off hanging tree ornaments. Anyway, when is this? That is, yes, this coming Thursday night, okay. 5.30 to 9.30, Toronto Botanical Gardens, 777 Lawrence Avenue East, so Lawrence and Leslie. Great place. All right, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So We do have a couple of uh, callers, but we're not going to take them just yet. Uh, I should give out the numbers one more time, Charlie, before we take a little break. 416-360-0740 and toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. And we'd love to hear from you. Remember, call early, call often, but one question per caller. Well said. Thank you. Well, I'm the Sue Sue Chef. (laughs) You've been practicing. Yes. So we'll take the, the caller after this break? Good idea. All right. Let's do it. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. It is The Garden Show. Thank you, Dan, for pointing at me just like that, but don't use that finger. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie Lean in for Frank Proctor. Charlie's beside me, and we have callers already, Charlie. I'm not surprised. People are in their gardens. Yes, they are. Beautiful sunny day, too. Wondering what to do, Mm -hmm. because winter is coming. It is. Joyce is on the line from Scarborough, and we say good morning to you, Joyce. How are you doing? I am doing fine, thank you. Well, good. And you have what a qu- I'd like to know is, um, is it too late to plant um, tulip bulbs? No, actually, it's perfect time to plant tulips. You can plant tulips right up until the ground is so frozen you can't dig in it. Okay. So sometimes that's right up until Christmas or New Year's, depending on what kind of you know fall and winter we're having. I'm sorry, I'm just coughing. Okay. Um, should I should I be planting early bulbs, mid season, or um, the late ones? Depends when you want to see the bulbs blooming, okay. and it depends what you do in that garden after the bulbs are finished. Okay. Because remember, an early tulip yeah, usually blooms in April. Then the mids are kind of late April, and the lates are sometimes early May, right up to mid May. And then you have to let the leaves stay there for six weeks. So late-blooming tulips that aren't blooming till May sometime, you've got those, frankly, fairly ugly-looking leaves hanging out in your garden right through until June. Okay. So uh, uh, one of the ways around that, of course, is plant your tulips in amongst where perennials will come up and cover the tulip leaves. Okay. Hostas are great for that. I have some some, um, Darwins that I planted about... Oh, maybe about 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. and they're still there. Could I plant some um, early ones around the um, around the Darwins? Sure, sure. 
Why not? I, I like I like having the sporadic different heights, different colors, and the different flow through the spring of the, the different bulbs coming up. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent. And have a good day. And you too. Thanks for your call. Yeah, Bye-bye. thank you, Joan. Bye-bye. And uh, we have, no, sorry, that was Joyce. Joan is from Bowmanville, <laughs> and she's been on the line holding on like a trooper. And uh, you're, <laughs> welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. Good morning. Fellas. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Morning. So I have a, a question about a Rose of Sharon. Uh, I have a couple of them, and they're beautiful. But about five years ago, my cousin came from Montreal, fell in love with them, and bought one. Mm-hmm. Now, the only she called me in tears this mm-hmm. week because the man who does her gardening misunderstood her when she asked him to take a foot off the top. Uh-huh. He cut the whole thing down to about a foot and a half. Oh, my. Yeah. Will it come back? Um, hard to say. Was it a shrub that she had or a tree? Uh, no, more of a shrub. It may. It may come back. I mean, okay, a couple of things. That's what we would call extremely hard pruning, no question. <laughs> if you're going to really do a hard pruning job on a plant, best to do it when it's dormant. So for sure, that's exactly what it is. That Rose of Sharon is dormant in Montreal right now. Right. Normally, we don't cut our Rose of Sharon down in the fall. We usually do it in the spring. Uh, but what Montreal gets that we don't get pretty consistently is lots of snow. Yes. So that's a good thing. So frankly, if the regular two or three feet of snow fall in Montreal, that little one and a half foot tall plant is going to be well encased in a nice snowy, downy blanket all winter. So very likely to survive the winter come spring. Of course, remember, Rose of Sharon are the last, almost the last plant to look like they're alive in the spring. You know, we always think they're dead because they take so, so long for the buds to actually green up. So just, you know, tell your, your was it your, your friend or your sister, to, cousin. your cousin to, yeah. Um, yeah, remain calm in the spring. Uh, like I say, put snow on it if snow doesn't fall or put some leaves around it this fall uh, just to ensure that it, it survives the winter. And then it's very likely to come back and it'll take a couple of years to get back up to size. But uh, um, they're pretty tough plants. Okay. Okay. So upset. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks very much, Charlie. Thanks, Joan. Let All us right. know. Let us know how that goes with with your cousin's plants. Oh God, that'll be a year away. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we'll be here. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for calling. And we do have someone on the line from uh, Hamilton, but I should give out the numbers one more time: four one six three six zero zero seven forty or one eight six six seven forty. Four seven forty, and we have a couple of spaces. So if you want to get your call in, get it in now. <laughs> I like the way you say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. From uh, Hamilton, we have someone calling, and Joe. Hey, it's Joe, and he mm. has some question about uh, a plant from the Philippines. Charlie. Joe. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. Morning, uh, Charlie. I love your show. Thank you. I listen to you as many times as possible on Saturdays. Uh, <laughs> we I are podcast. Plan. I'm sorry? We are podcast. If you do miss <laughs> yeah, a know, show, I know, I know, you can always catch no it later. Computer, no TV. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I am a Luddite. Um, <laughs> but I have this plant, Charlie, that mm. is kind of like a Christmas cactus, Easter cactus. Mm. Um, it grows from the stem, the leaf um expands like the leaf from a, uh, what is it, Zygodium, I think it's yeah, called? Yeah, zygo, Zygocatus. Zygocactus, actually. Zy, is that, what is it? Zygocactus. Zygocactus. Yep. Okay, yeah, so it kind of looks like that. And um, I've got, like, you know, these things that are growing up from it, they look like they're going to expand into leaf form, but mm-hmm. it's... It, it, Almost exactly the same, and I've been told the flower does come from the the leaf 
Mm-hmm. Hmm. So the question is, what is this plant, or how do you make it flower? No, I want to know what the plant is. <laughs> <laughs> if it flowers, I'm great. Yeah. Uh, but if it doesn't flower, that's okay too. Is there... I, I just, I'm just really curious. I, I've been yeah. looking, and I can't find anything about what this plant is. You know what would be the best thing? Is there any way you could take a photograph and send it to me? Yeah. Okay. You could do. You could mail or email, whichever works. It sounds, yeah. sounds like mail might be the best for you, though. Have you ever heard of anything like that, though? Um, there's a ton of different kinds of, of both prick. Like, remember with the cactuses, there's the desert type cactuses. They usually have all the prickles and spines. Uh-huh. And then there are the forest cactuses. So these are plants that literally and typically are found. Uh, yeah, sometimes they grow right on top of the, you know, in the crotches of the branches of trees. Uh, they they kind of they take advantage of opportunities. They don't need much water. And so that's where they are succulents or in the cacti group uh-huh. because they have tiny, tiny roots, very small water requirements, and are completely evolved to take advantage of the kind of light levels and temperature levels that are commonly found within the tropical forests. Now, these might be up high in the mountains, so they might really need those cool temperatures, uh-huh. particularly cool nighttime temperatures, in order to initiate flowering, which okay. is often the case with, with plants like this. But I'd need to actually see a picture or you know, a good couple of pictures to get a sense of, uh, of an actual name, if that's Very what you good. wanted. So okay. shall I give the mailing address? I will let you hang up and give you the mailing address, or do you know the address here? Uh, no, I don't know. All right. So, yeah, yeah, you, great. All right, so you hang up. I'm going to get the mailing address and announce it, and you scribble it down. And anybody who wants to send in mail, I love getting mail. And yeah, I'm real too mail. much fan of mail. Real yeah. mail. <laughs> yeah, that, that email. Mail. Yeah. mail mail. Or Snail mail is the yeah. best, actually. Yeah, right. I, don't, I love it. All right, it. well, thank you very much, Charlie, and uh, I'll try to do that. And even if I could find somebody with a computer, I'll, I'll try to send it sooner. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, thanks, Thanks, Charlie. Joe. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, speaking of which, um, you know, we had a change-up to our email addresses, yes. didn't we, Robbie? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you're having some issues today. I am having Access. issues. Major, yeah. <laughs> but you you helped me out today. Maybe I'll be able to yeah, clear hope, that up. Yeah, I hope you can get that sorted out. Well, as far as I know, of course, the old my old email address, same as yours, mine was cdobbin at am740.ca. Yeah. So you can still send email to that address, and it should be redirected to my new address. But if anybody wants my new address, it's the same C. Dobbin. So just C-D-O-B-B-I-N. Now I'm saying that so confidently. Yeah, I don't think there's a dot in there. I don't think it's C. Dobbin. No, it's just C. Dobbin. No dot. At, and now it's MZ Media. One word. MZmedia.com for email letters. And if you wanted to send snail mail, real mail, as Robbie said, that was good, uh, which is great. Love getting mail. The address here is 550 Queen Street East. We're in Suite 205. So 550 Queen Street East, Suite 205, Toronto. And we're M5A1V2. So M5A1V2 is the postal code. Great. Send mail. Send pictures. I'm happy to figure out, do plant ID. If it's a good picture, I can usually figure out the plant. Yeah, and I have one comment about uh, your answer to Joe. Mm. I didn't know trees had crotches, <laughs> but I've just discovered that I knew, would, I knew that that'd today. be the one word you'd hear. <laughs> so funny. You just I, know me, don't I you? I tell a whole story, <laughs> and you catch one word. So speaking of gardening.
gardening. How's how's your garden coming, Robbie? Well, well it's um, uh, uh, well, it's okay. Is it all ready <laughs> for winter? Well, no. 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 But we did, I think I told you about that area where we had nothing but lily of the valley, and mm-hmm. no matter what I did, mm-hmm. I couldn't get rid of it. Well, we finally did. Good. Yeah. We uh, brought somebody in who dug down maybe about oh. four to six inches, took all that soil away, mm-hmm. and then put new soil in mm-hmm. and put sod over the soil. Right, so, so far? So good. So good. And yeah. when was that last spring? That was in the spring. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, so you know how this works, right? Keep that that sod or that grass, that turf, nice and healthy and yes. juicy and vibrant, and it will outcompete anything that tries to come up from below, like Lily of the Valley. Oh yeah, and there, once you get them, I mean, you try and take them out, it seems like they multiply overnight. There are several plants. Uh, Th- Canada thistle is a good example. Goutweed, um, um, bindweed. These are plants where even if you leave a microscopic piece behind, a new plant grows. Yeah, whether it's a piece of root or a piece of stem, doesn't. Really matter. A new plant will grow from that little tiny piece left behind. Yeah, so we've solved that problem anyway. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I'm so lucky because we have uh, 17 uh, mature trees in our backyard. It's Mm -hmm. a very large backyard. So when the leaves come Mm -hmm. down, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of leaves. I bet. And two of my uh, students who I've kept in contact with over the years send me an email every fall saying, when the leaves have dropped, we will appear at your front door with rakes in hand. Wow, and, and they, they take do. the leaves away, or they just they rake, rake them, them up, up for put you. them in bags, and put we them... put them out front. Wow! So they they just do that as a good uh, yes, good Samaritan gesture for yeah. you. I always give them a little something. But yeah. that's great. Yeah, isn't that that's nice? wonderful. Yeah. Now, if you ha- remember, like leaves, I I personally keep my leaves, but I put my leaves on my gardens. Yes. So if you have enough garden, it is a really effective way to keep the the good material that's in those leaves on the property. Well, there's so much, yeah, there's so many leaves, trees. they that's cover the garden beds anyway. Right. So you just don't rake them up. Right. So you leave the garden yeah. alone, you just rake the lawn, yeah. which is great. You do have to make sure that you don't let that lawn get suffocated by leaves. Yeah, I know. And um, yeah, so that's good. And actually, that brings up a... Uh, something that I will, I will talk about later. I have um, uh, sort of a, it's from the Urban Forest Stewardship Network, and it's called Be Kind to Your Trees. <laughs> and it's the top five things you can do to prepare your trees for winter. Oh. So for you, with 17 mature trees on your property, this might be information that you'd be happy to hear about. I'll be waiting to hear. All right. So, But right. in the meantime, we could go to one of our wonderful callers who's waiting for us. All right. And I think that's Florence. She's from Simcoe, and apparently she was a caller last week. Good morning, Florence. You uh, want to talk about the solution? To your problem. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. No, I um, I there was a gentleman called last week mm-hmm. about the moss in his indoor outdoor carpeting. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, two years ago, I had a terrible time with moss in the lawn, just all over. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just sort of raised in sour soil, mm-hmm. baking soda, good mm-hmm. mixture. So I went and bought some baking soda and used a. a, a a shaker with big holes mm-hmm. and shook it all over the moss and I am moss free. <laughs> so if I am too. If gentleman wants to try moss it, or try baking soda, yeah, it really works. That's a really good idea. Well, it was actually uh, Leonard who called yeah. uh, last week. You're right. And he had moss on his carpet on his deck. Yeah. And I suggested bleach. Yeah. To, and you're right. Baking soda might be another very mm-hmm. effective solution. Yeah, well, baking soda in two days, the moss is brown. Well, and you know what? Baking soda is kind of like Epsom salts. It's so magical. It does so yeah. many things. Well, I figured 
figured it wouldn't hurt, and, and no, the grass it won't hurt. beautiful again. Yeah, so. It won't hurt at all. I mean, no. you can brush your teeth, you can cure gout, you can <laughs> yeah. you can unclog your drains, you can cure do all. baking soda, like polish your silver. You can clean out uh, tree crotches with that. <laughs> Kill moss. <laughs> Just amazing. It's amazing. Baking soda. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should have a good big box of baking soda on their kitchen counter. So thank you yeah. so much for that, Florence, and I hope Leonard's listening. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for calling. And we do have a couple more callers, uh, Charlie. Somebody is calling from Ajax. About Hugh, it looks like Hugh, Hugh. About grass. And good morning, Hugh. How are you doing? Good morning. Morning. Yes, ma'am. I was wondering, we have uh, the tall grass with the silk tassels on the top. It's mm-hmm. about five feet high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always said we should cut it in the fall. The wife says we cut it in the spring. Which is the best time to cut it? The spring. In the springtime? Your wife is correct. Oh, well, sorry about another that. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another one. Chalk that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, what you have are what's called considered one of the members of, it's an ornamental grass. Right. So we grow these, these are grasses, but we grow them for ornamental purposes. They tend to be tall, like you said. They have beautiful big plumes or, or some kind of a seed head uh, on the top. And the reason we cut them in the spring is because they are very ornamental through the winter. They continue to stand. Oh, you know, big wind, big snow. Sure, you'll get a little bit of broke, breaking down. But, you know, there's the colors of the, the seed heads are all bronze. You've right. got the um, movement when the wind and, you know, the sound in the, in the, when it's windy. It's of beautiful. They're very beautiful. And the one, one of the things we love the most about ornamental grasses is you can't get an easier plant to maintain. Mm-hmm. Once a year, you go in there. It might be with a chainsaw if it's a big enough clump of grass or at least with a big pair of clippers. Chop the grass right oh. down to two inches tall. You're done till next right. spring. I have to do that in the spring. I cut uh, with the uh, electric saw. There you go. And because yeah. they're just, oh, they're nearly two feet around yeah. each, each plant. That's and, right. Uh, I've noticed all the centers get dead in the inside. That's right, because that's where the original plant was was planted right. and like any perennial it will eventually get so crowded out it's all uh, uh, the the center dies and it's all new on the outside edge okay. so someday you can usually leave them for four or five years but at some point you have to dig up that entire donut is what it'll be right and with a sharp shovel or your electric you know shears cut that donut up into four or five pieces replant one of those pieces back where you were, if you like that spot, and, of course, either share with your neighbors or move around the property some of these other chunks uh, into nice spots or donate them to your local Hort Society plant sale. Super. If it's a great plant because, oh. you know, you want, they're great. You know, you want to keep them going. And, and if you've had good experience, a uh, nice thing to share. Okay. Thank you very kindly about everything. You're very welcome. Right. Thanks for your thank call, you. Hugh. Right, yeah. right. Thank you, Hugh. And we do have a couple of callers waiting on the line, but I should give out the numbers one more time, Charlie. Mm-hmm. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we have Laura. Oh, no. Are you going to take Margaret? Well, it says number one there. It says oh, that's number right. number three there. So. Okay. Just Margaret. suggestion. <laughs> I, w- I guess we're going to talk to Margaret about uh, <laughs> composting. And Margaret, good morning to you. Good morning. Morning. Hi, um, I was just wondering about leaves. Uh, I've got a couple of maples in the backyard that has black uh, spot on it. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I thought you weren't supposed to compost that, but the whole neighborhood seems to have it. Mm-hmm. 
Can it be composted or not? Okay, so this is actually a great question. Um, maple leaves that have these black spots on them, typically that's a Norway maple, and the mm-hmm. black spots looks like somebody shook a paintbrush from above with black paint on the brush, and there's black spots all over. And the name of that fungal disease is called tar spot. So it's like blobs of tar on the leaves. So your question is, should you be keeping those leaves on the property, and wasn't there something about trying to eliminate that disease by eliminating the leaves off the property. You're right on both counts. One, the, certainly if you look up in your municipality or you Google tar spot on maple, you know, compostable or not, the recommendations from all the authorities will be do not try and compost those leaves. Send them away. Uh, try and remove the source of the fungus. So those spores, remove them off your property, and you should lower the incidence of the disease next year. Because, of course, what happens is it's the leaves that overwinter on our property that have the living fungal spores on them that actually hatch in the spring and reinfect the maple tree. But we don't see any of this because, of course, it's all so microscopic. It's just tiny. Then we see the evidence of the infestation in August when all the spots start to appear. Well, composting isn't typically hot enough. Our properties, when we do our composting, it's not hot enough to kill the fungus. So that's why the recommendation was send it to the municipal composting dump because they can they compost at a higher temperature than we do. Oh, okay. I, on the other hand, I keep my maple leaves. And yes, indeed, it's through the entire neighborhood. So I figure, what's the point? I mean, I can get rid of my leaves, but it's my tree is going to get reinfected one way or the other from another tree. Yeah. And and I love my leaves, so mm-hmm. I keep them. Oh, so you do keep them? I eh? do, yeah. Okay. So would it help to spray in the, you know, that uh, spray that you can put in on in the spring? The dormant would, spray. Yeah. Uh, um, potentially it could if you spray early in the spring and it's a tree that's small enough that you can really be effective. No, it's huge. That's the thing. A big, huge tree, you're going to spend hours and hours spraying it and it might be a completely ineffective uh, process. But yeah, I, I, like I say, I, I like my leaves too much. So I would, um, I'd keep them myself if I were you. Oh, okay. That's good. That, thanks. That's all I wanted to okay. know. But do look after your tree. And I'm gonna, I am going to get to my list of things you can do for your trees. Because remember, healthy trees withstand any kind of adverse conditions far better than trees under stress. Mm-hmm. And this well, was a stressful summer. Yeah, we did have an arborist in, and he did cut some branches off. Apparently, it was too full. Okay, good. So good. he did that. Good. So. Yeah, thinning the canopy is a good idea with Norway maples. They tend to get very dense and very heavy as a result. Nothing grows below because the shade is so dense. Oh, okay. So good. I'm glad you brought in an arborist. That's a good idea. Thank you very much for your help. Thanks for your call. Thank you for your call. And we have a couple of calls online. And we have one lady who's been waiting for a while. But we're going to take a break before we talk to her about her butterfly bush. And we'll do that right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Charlie Dobbin is here live and in person. And I'm sitting with Robbie Lane. Welcome. Very exciting to have you here. Well, it's fun to be here. And uh, we've been getting quite a few callers today. Well, you know, we we have some pretty keen garden fans who are all over. I mean, that's what I love about this station. eh? The broadcast range is huge. So as you can see, I mean, callers, we've gone from Bowmanville to Hamilton down to Simcoe. 
to Cambridge, you know, and now our next caller is calling from Eris. So yeah. where is Eris anyway? Morning, yeah. This is Laura. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Good Laura. Good morning, Robbie and Charlie. Eris is about six miles northwest of Guelph. Oh, there oh, you go. Okay. It's on 86. Nice. Thank you. Thanks okay. for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Um, hey, Charlie, I called you in the spring mm-hmm. to ask about my hibiscus, mm-hmm. and you told me to take it out of the pot and, and, and cut the, the roots mm-hmm. with a sharp knife. Yep. I did, uh-huh. and it's just beautiful now, and it just had two gorgeous blooms on it. Great. Good yeah. to hear. So it, it really helped it. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, the butterfly bush. Yes. I've had two of them, mm-hmm. and I, I covered them with straw mm-hmm. and wrapped them in burlap, and the darn thing still died. Mm. And were they just like planted last year and then died over the winter? Last uh, last year uh, and the year before. So one was planted in ten. One was planted in two thousand and eleven. Then uh, you oh, you mean, or you've lost them twice now? Yeah. Okay. Two, two plants. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So where are you planting them? Where where on your property? Well, they're on the northwest side of the house. Well, there's your answer right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the coldest spot. Uh-huh. That, Even then, though they're wrapped in straw and burlap. I know. You know, and you're right. Wrapped in straw and burlap, they should be okay. But, but you're, you're border, very much borderline uh, hardy with those plants where you live. Mm-hmm. Because they are a zone 5 uh, plant and you are in zone 5. So northwest is your coldest quadrant on your entire property. Is there any way you could put them more around to the south a little more? Well, I could put them out the front of the house where it would face the southeast. And uh, okay. the trouble is, I wouldn't be able to see the butterflies the same. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I know I love butterfly bush. And, yeah, so where you want them is you want them to get at least a half a day of sun or more. Uh, recognize they can get as tall as five, six feet and same width. And you want them in a place that's not too windy because for the butterflies to be able to visit the butterfly bushes, they need a nice calm spot. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they just get blown around by the wind and then they don't hang around. So that's your challenge. Um, Now, tell me, you haven't been cutting those butterfly bush down in the fall, have you? You've been leaving them alone, right? Other than the wrapping and straw. Yeah, I think I did. I I don't think I cut them down, if I remember rightly. Okay, because what I would suggest... I mean, if if that's the right spot, like you that you really want the butterfly bush there because it's the right spot to see them and for them to come and visit, instead of just using straw and burlap, what I would do is try again next spring or, or summer, plant a butterfly bush, or if you have one in the ground now that's alive, do not cut it now. Ensure that it's well watered before you put your hose away. Treat it like you would treat a rose. Put a mound of soil, 9 to 10 inches high, over the crown of the plant. So a little little mountain of soil right over the, the whole base of the plant. Then if you want to pack some straw around that, that's fine. Don't bother with the burlap. You don't need burlap. Just do the straw and the soil and then leave the whole thing alone for the winter. Remember what, was, what always happens at my house is the whole top always dies back on the butterfly bush. So I always cut it down. And sometimes I'll even cut a lot of live wood off my butterfly bushes just because I want them to grow from the bottom. The roots only really stays alive on a butterfly bush. That's, and then you regrow it from the base every spring. Okay? Yeah, okay. So I cut it down in the spring. Exactly. Yeah. But, but wait until it starts to grow. Like, wait until you start to see a little bit of green and you're going to see that down at the base. As soon as you cut it back, you're going to encourage all kinds of new growth. Yeah. 
Okay, but you will take that little mountain of soil and the straw away once we're frost free. So in your neighborhood, it might be late May by the yeah, time you take that well, all away. We had frost as late as June the tenth out here. That's right. This year yeah. we definitely had a late frost as well. So yeah, you and you know what we, we do sometimes? We'll take the soil away, but keep the straw handy, so that if there's suddenly going to be a, a cold snap in in June, you can always bring the straw back around just to you know bring it to hold that crown a little bit uh, protected. Mm, I got a beautiful picture of a a monarch butterfly on it a couple mm. of years ago and uh I got first prize at the fair for it. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah. They are they are truly a butterfly magnet. If you oh, like yeah. butterflies, and butterfly bushes are the best. And they yeah. they are beautiful. They come in all colors and sizes and uh they yeah, there's yellow and white and pink and purple and blue. Like they're just lovely and butterflies come from miles around to visit them. I don't know how they know to find them, but they do and they're just gorgeous. Okay. Well, good luck with that, Laura. Thanks for your call. Thank you, Charlie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Laura. And uh, we have uh, Roberta calling from Lakefield, but I think we're going to take a break before we talk to Roberta. And uh, she's going to be talking to us and asking Charlie about grubs. But I hope you don't mind. I'm going to mention once again, Frank Proctor is not here today. I know. And we the, miss him desperately. I know we do. But he's having fun, I he think. He is having he's fun. He's a nutcase. He is with <laughs> the Fantastic Sea Monsters, which launches today. <laughs> he fits right in. He really does. <laughs> it's a free activity for the whole family. And on hand, of course, for the opening day is Frank. And he's reading The Day the Welland Canal Monster Met Santa. And he will be doing that around 11 o'clock this morning. So he's inviting you out there. And where is it? Well, you're saying uh, it's on display until March 24th, 2013 from 9 to 5 days. Frank's on display till March? Well, no. Oh, just just the goodness. display. That would the be fantastic scary. Oh, monsters. the monsters. Right? Yeah, we don't want to keep him on display. <laughs> I think not. St. <laughs> Catherine's Museum and the Welland Canal's Center, Lock 3. He's there today. And, uh, He's reading it from his famous yes, published book. He is. Yeah. And it's on, it, it will be for sale. He's, he can do, um, he'll send autographed copies. Makes a nice Christmas present. He's left the email there for how to get an autographed coffee, copy yeah. of the book. Proctor.tiny at gmail.com. And that's how you will get a personalized signed copy. That's proctor.tiny at gmail.com. Yeah, because the monster's name is Tiny. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, just so that you know <laughs> that uh, Frank doesn't want me to feel too comfortable or permanent here, mm-hmm. he leaves me a disposable chair. That's what I have to sit on. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here with you, Charlie. Well, you know, you're the under, under, under gardener. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just you, you haven't reached the pinnacle of fame he has yet. That's true. Sorry, Robbie. That's all right. <laughs> but you're doing a good job. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're, you're, you've obviously been studying. And training. I have been. I can tell. With a whip. <laughs> so we're going to take a break we and better, then take yeah. some more callers. All right. We'll do that right after this. This week on Celebrity Spotlight, we go back in time to the birth of Jive. I'm Larry Jackson. Join me Sunday afternoon between 1 and 2 as we profile Cab Calloway on Celebrity Spotlight. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
Yes, and we are back, and we have Roberta calling from Lakefield, but I think you wanted to mention something about the trees first. Did you want to do that, Charlie? Uh, you know what? Let's go to Roberta since she's been waiting for a little while. You're and the I, boss. I do, well, I do, thank you. I do want to mention the top five things you can do to prepare your trees for winter. Okay. Because these, these are really good tips, and it's been sent to me from the Urban Forest Stewardship Network. Yeah, well, so maybe we'll do that after we talk to Roberta from Lakefield. Uh, good idea. Good morning, Roberta. Good morning, Charlie, Robbie. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, I'm having trouble with grubs. I live in the country, and I have about an acre of grass mm-hmm. with trees, of course, and what all. But um, this is my second fall for a problem with these grubs. And they kill the grass, but then the skunks come mm-hmm. in and dig little holes. But right after them come the raccoons, and they excavate the whole property. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've done a spray with something recommended by a friend, which did nothing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do over the winter to get rid of these pests? No, actually. Oh. Those, <laughs> those grubs are right now getting ready for winter. They're putting on their little um, sleep, their sleepers and their you know, earmuffs, and they're heading down deep in the soil to go below this frost line because mm-hmm. that's where they spend the winter is sleeping down below the frost line. They don't do any more eating. So right now, um, you know, it's still, the ground is certainly still soft and thawed and the temperatures are cooling off. And you're absolutely right. The skunks and the starlings start it all and the raccoons go in and make a big mess. Oh, they're terrible. And, and honestly, in a sense, you kind of want to encourage that. You want all those animals to eat those grubs because they're actually doing a really good job eating those grubs for you. They are leaving a mess behind, though. Oh, so, they are indeed. So next spring, the grubs that are still uh, remaining in your property will wake up and they're going to come back up to the surface and start eating again. And the skunks and the raccoons will start sniffing them out and start digging up again. And all this will take place until the grubs move on to the next part of their life cycle, which is when they pupate. They get into that little cocoon and they're not doing anything anymore. And that's when you can fix your lawn. It might be late May, it might be early June, but that's when you can level, um, you know, smooth it all out, fill the hills and valleys, top dress, overseed, get things growing again uh, in the lawn, get it healthy uh, and filled in. Next August, put on your list to go to your local garden center and get nematodes. Yes, I've heard of them. And you will follow the instructions to the T. You will find that if you've got trees on your property, where the grubs first arrive and first start doing their damage is on the drip line of the trees. All and right. that's if you look at where the kind of the yellow patches started or where the raccoons and skunks are having a, a heyday, it typically is at the drip line or the edges of the branches of the trees. Because mm-hmm. that's where the eggs are usually laid. So All that's right. where you're going to concentrate your nematodes uh, application in August. Mm-hmm. And the nematodes will find the grubs if the grubs are there. And then they burrow into the body of the grubs and proceed to eat them from the inside out. And mm. it's wonderful. Ah, very and good. It's very so effective. you say August before I can treat the grubs? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So there's Throw really... <laughs> well, there's nothing you can do about this generation of grubs, but what you're going to try and do is stop the next generation. Ah, mm-hmm. right, right. Well, I noticed there's quite an epidemic. Um, I'm 20 minutes from work, and coming into town, I noticed that there's a lot of people having the same problem. 
There oh, is. They go in cycles? <clears throat> they do go in cycles. All, um, when we have really hot summers like we did. Oh, it, right. Uh, hot it, dry. Yeah. It, I mean, the dry should have been actually something that made it so the eggs didn't hatch. Right. But unfortunately, it wasn't dry enough. There was enough moisture in the soil that all those eggs did ha- seem to have hatched in August. Mm-hmm. So that we all kind of had our fingers crossed that the drought might be a good thing in terms of annihilating some of the grub population, but I don't think it worked. I think it, all the it grubs... Didn't work. <laughs> I think they all hatched just fine. And, and then the rain fine. started, and then they were happy because then they had lots to eat because they eat roots, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Exactly. <clears throat> so, well, well, thank you very much for your help. All right. All thank right. you for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Grubs. grubs what a man. pain. Well, and the other thing is Jap- um, Japanese beetles, which is, the Japanese beetle is an adult form of one of those grubs. Yeah. And boy, the, the Japanese beetle population is a real problem. It is. Well, you know the solutions. <clears throat> well, it's just having to wait until that's that. That's right. Yeah. So often we see the problem, but we can't solve the problem until the next chance. Yes. And that happens all the time with fungal diseases, right? Yes. You don't spray a fungicide on a fungal disease and expect to, to cure it. Right. It's all preventative. Yep. All right. Well, it's like us, right? Our health, right? You know, we try to be healthy to ultimately be healthy in the long term. We don't try and respond and react to every time, you know. No. We don't start brushing our teeth when we get a cavity, right? No. We brush to prevent. That's right. Same idea. Now, what can you Five tell us about things. trees? I'd be happy to share this with you. He, and you should be writing this down, yes. Robbie Lane, <laughs> with 17 trees on your property. Number one, water until the ground freezes. Very important. Most urban trees suffer from drought particularly this summer. Yeah. Big suffering. So if the soil is dry, now the good thing is we did get a lot of rain this past September, October. So if the soil is dry, water the root zone on a slow drip for approximately 30 minutes once or twice a week, right up until the soil freezes, ground freezes. Number two, replace mulch. Maintaining a circle of mulch, which is wood chips, leaves, or other organic matter, helps to reduce fluctuations in temperature and keeps the soil around the roots from drying out. Make sure your trees have a wide circle of mulch, approximately three inches deep, spread around the tree, the base of the tree. Make it a donut shape so that mulch does not touch the bark or the trunk as it holds moisture and can cause decay. Mm -hmm. So donut as opposed to volcano. Yeah. Right? I do see that volcano thing and it's frightening. Number three. I know. I'm driving down. My, you know, I feel like stopping my car, getting out, and then moving the mulch because somebody has totally put it on wrong. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I, I, I control myself. You know, that would be considered um, trespassing. I, I think, think so. <clears throat> Number three, let fallen leaves lie. Leaves are Mother Nature's natural fertilizer. As fallen leaves decompose, they are transformed back into the nutrients and organic matter the tree needs. However... Diseased leaves should be removed. This goes back to our tar spot color. Uh, removed from your yard to help avoid repeat problems the following year. Now, leaving leaves, like letting the leaves lie, means leaving them on the gardens or at yeah. the base of the trees, yeah. not on our lawns, because right. leaves will suffocate the lawns. Number four, avoid salting the earth. Excessive use of salt <clears throat> on driveways, walkways, and other areas can cause serious damage to trees, even those located as far as several meters away. Instead of using salt, remove snow promptly from high traffic areas, chip ice away where necessary, and apply small amounts of sand for traction. And number five, 
prune during dormancy. Pruning can be done on most tree species during the winter months. Contact a certified arborist before attempting any major pruning as large limbs can be dangerous to remove and incorrect pruning can damage trees. Proper pruning can prevent further problems and extend the life of urban trees. For information on how to find a certified arborist, go to the International Society of Arboriculture, ISA, and then you go, I think, to Ontario, and then from there you find, you know, put in your postal code and certified arborists in your neighborhood will pop up and you can call them and have them come and give you a quote on what you need done because looking after your trees adds tons of value to your home. Yes, that's true. You know that. Yep. Okay, so I think we might have to... All right, uh, we've got a few callers uh, on hold, and we'll get to them, but we've got to take a break first, uh, so let's do that. And it is the Garden Show on a cool Saturday morning, Charlie. But sunny. But nice. Whew, yes. that was, I was blinded driving here this morning. Great cup weekend. I know. I, I think this oh. is the most excited I've seen the Toronto scene, period. Since the last time Calgary was here and made a party. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I love it. It's like, it's like Toronto's feeling really responsible <laughs> for trying to... We are really fun, you know. Like, yeah. You know, just because you Calgarians know how to party doesn't mean we don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see that, isn't it? It is. It's like, it's a serious competition. All right. We've got Gail who's been hanging <laughs> on. Thank you, Gail, for waiting all this time for Charlie. And now you can ask her about your double poppy seeds. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? We're great. Good. I have collected some double poppy seeds, My hu- and we had not seen these plants Previously, my son built a new house this year, mm-hmm. or last year, mm-hmm. and I presume that where they excavated this soil, there had been a an, very old house there. Mm-hmm. They piled it up, and this summer, we saw these red flowers or red something mm-hmm. out on the thing, and mm-hmm. they're absolutely gorgeous. They're about three and a half inches across and very, very, very double, but they're definitely poppies. Uh-huh. I've collected some seeds. There were red yeah. ones and pink ones. Yeah. And I just didn't know whether I should plant them someplace now or how to handle them. I've looked in different books that mm-hmm. I have, and nothing of them really tells me what to do with them. This is actually great. You know the poem in Flanders Fields? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened there, right? There mm-hmm. were no poppies in Flanders Fields until World War One. All the bombing disrupted the soil, brought the poppy seeds to the surface, and once the, the bombing stopped and the rain fell, the poppies grew. Yeah. Oh. And that's exactly what's happened at your son's. The poppy seeds were always there, but mm-hmm. they were buried so deep, they were just sitting there waiting. With the excavation, the seeds got brought to the surface, yeah. and then they started growing. Mm-hmm. So the rule for you is you've got the seeds, great idea. Now, just be a poppy. <laughs> Take those seeds. <clears throat> think about where they want to grow. They want to grow in full sun. They want to grow in well-drained soil, and they do not want to be buried deep. So go to an area in your garden where you've got those conditions, full sun, reasonably good soil. It doesn't have to be great quality soil. It just has to be reasonably good soil, and sprinkle them on the surface of the soil. Okay. And they will come up next spring. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty easy. Sounds simple. Yeah, it is. It's that simple. And they're probably annual poppies. I have them. Like, I planted poppies once, 10 years ago, and they, I allow them to seed around. You will know. You'll see those little seedlings when they start to come up. They've got that. It, they almost look like a dandelion when they come up. Okay. So don't say, oh, my gosh, that's a dandelion, <laughs> and pull it up. Mm-hmm. It's got that real toothed leaf, yeah. but it's a little bit furry, so it's not yeah. shiny and green like a dandelion, but otherwise looks just like a dandelion. Okay. I better so, remember that one. Yeah, so when you start seeing a little 
dandelions coming up in that area. Just leave alone and let them come up. And, uh, and yeah, they'll just continue to, once they start coming up, let them seed. It's one of the reasons I'm such a lazy gardener. I never dig my gardens because I allow all these seeds to float around and come up and, and you know, fill the garden. And, of course, if I did any digging around, none of those seeds would come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never think of you as a lazy gardener. Charlie. Oh, totally. Really? <laughs> totally. Okay. I just, you know, in the hammock every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, these were so beautiful. I just didn't, I haven't seen any like them before, and yeah. I just thought if I can save yeah. them and get some back next year, why, that would be wonderful. Well, wherever you're sprinkling them, just make sure that you've staked it out, or, you know, yes. let, you know, tell yourself, remind yourself where you're putting those seeds so you can be careful in the spring and watch for them. Now, if there are a clump of them come up together, can you transplant them, or no. is it better to leave them alone? No. The one thing about poppies is they have a tap root. Okay. If you try and transplant them, you're likely to be unsuccessful. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. All right. Good All right. luck with that. Let us know how that goes. I will. Thanks, thank Gail. You. I enjoy your show very much. Good stuff. And uh, thank you for calling. And we've got someone calling from, it looks like the kitchen. It must be Kitchener. <laughs> it must be. Yeah. Dan was typing fast, obviously. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, she's talking about, or he's talking Alma. about. Alma. It looks like yeah. Alma. Yeah. A course on gardening. Oh. Alma, good morning. morning. Good morning. How are you today? We're great. Yeah. I'm so happy. I enjoy your show every day. I would like to ask Charles, I mean, where would you do these courses the way you give so much, I mean, uh, information is so helpful to me in my garden all the time. So I'm really interested in doing this course for myself. And where would I go to do hmm. this course, Master Gardener? Oh, that's a great question. Well, um, do you have an uh, access to the Internet? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, oh, what is it? Master Gardeners is... Garden on no gardenontario.org mm-hmm. is the Ontario Horticultural Association. Mm-hmm. And you there is definitely a couple of good hort societies. Do you belong to your local hort society? No. So that's a I mean I just started now I'm retired this year. Uh, yeah. So I want to do these courses. I have so well, much uh, time on hand. Perfect. Well, well you're right. So Hort societies are, are very much for hobby gardeners, and you'll meet some very fun people. So mm-hmm. do check that in your neighborhood, okay. Ontar- gardenontario.org. We have a Rockway Garden. Okay, yeah, close by. And then the Master Gardeners is where you take it up a notch. Oh, you, okay. You're absolutely right. You take courses. The learning is much more intense. The competition for being right is far more intense amongst Master Gardeners. They do tend to be kind of on the nerdy side. That would be like a you, lot of fun. Com- competitive. <laughs> exactly. yes. And how many yeah. years would it take? Uh, master Gardener, to get your Master Gardeners, I think you're allowed five or six years. You've, you can take it slowly. Mm-hmm. You can do an independent study. Uh, there, and then it's ongoing. Once you become a Master Gardener, mm-hmm. first you get accepted into the program, mm-hmm. then you become a Master Gardener, and then it's ongoing, doing volunteer work every year and keeping your skills up by doing technical updates. Oh. So it is, quite, it is quite intense. But Master Gardeners is triple W. M-G-O-I, or Magoy, dot C-A. So Master Gardeners of Ontario, Incorporated, dot C-A. And you'll get lots of information in there. Again, is a local Master Gardener group in Guelph. Mm-hmm. And uh, it probably includes Kitchener-Waterloo, though there might be one in, in the Waterloo area as well. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks. you very much. Have right. a great weekend. Good luck with that, Alma. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Alma, call back and let us know when you've been accepted. We'd like to know. Yeah, you know what they call little baby, I shouldn't say little baby, learner, master gardeners. They call, well, it's not very nice. They call them midgets, master gardeners in training. Oh. <laughs> M-G-I-T, midgets. That's good. <laughs> so, anyway, um, 
Robbie, thank you. We don't have time for that last caller, do we? I don't think so. No. We never do. William, it's, thank you for out. calling. Call back next week. Call early, call often. Yes. yes. Thanks it. so much, William. Thanks, Dan. You did a great job today. Nice to have you back. Thank you, Robbie. Always fun to work with yeah, you. Yeah, it's nice to work with you, and I'll be uh, the car guys. Actually, I know. they hear do, those engines roaring. Alan and, and Dave, they sometimes actually tell people what they should do to fix their cars. <laughs> Most of the time, they're joking around. But I know. they're on next, and then the health show, and then I'll be back to That's play music this afternoon. Well, you have fun with that. I will. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Thanks to all the great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.